0: Lesotho is a miracle, and it was not what I expected when I first encountered the street. I went to Lesotho in 2012. My job was to help support their national elections, and when I walked along the main road to my job each day, I was overwhelmed, because I couldn't walk 10 metres without having a little person come and beg from me, or see someone eating out of a bin, so the result today is a miracle. But when we think about miracles, the temptation is to believe that miracles are always something huge. And what I want to do today is take you back to the outworking of this miracle to show you that fruitfulness is not usually a grand act of power that transforms something overnight. Miracles occur in the mundane and the everyday. The fruitfulness of our life is outworked through the consistency of everyday acts of love and obedience that alone may feel insignificant and they may even feel ineffective. And maybe they are, because alone they are just a seed. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 9, we see Paul addressing the Corinthian church about their quarrels over different ministries. The church was dividing itself behind different leaders. And Paul says to them, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything at all. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. We are just the sower. We have no power to make things grow. Our job is to sow faithfully, and the harvest belongs to our God. So when I arrived in Lesotho, I arrived alone. I'd been married seven years, but um, my husband stayed here in Australia, and I was in Lesotho for nearly two years by myself. found myself, when I was walking down that main road, responding in quite an ungodly way, and to be honest, a way I never would have expected. If we can start with the first photos. This was the context that I was seeing each and every day. And while, when I was in Australia, I professed to be a person of faith, and I professed about what my God could do, when I saw this, you can continue I was overwhelmed, and I found myself responding by pushing people away, shunning these little babies that were running at me because I felt like, what can I do? I have no money. These kids were dangerous. They were known to kill. They were known to rob. What can I do? Can keep. This is the context. This is the street. This is where children lived. You may continue. Everywhere you'd walk along the street, you'd see this. Groups of homeless, mainly boys, around fires, um, usually fighting, begging. Continue. Yeah. But God convicted my heart. One day when I had done just that, shunned another one, kept walking, looking straight ahead, God said to me, don't you ever walk past one of my children as if they do not matter to me. And from that day I said to God I never I never will again. I don't have money. I can't fix this problem. But what I do have I will give. I have love and I have time and I will give both of them to every single child I ever find. And for the next 2 years I spent my hours upon hours upon hours sitting in those streets with those little people. Can keep them. And more. Again. This became my life. My life became listening to music with little babies on the street, playing cards, walking to work. What God showed me was I was not to treat these children like a project. I was to incorporate them in my normal life. So I had little people who would meet me and walk me to work each day. I had little people who would say, Mebelinda is what they'd call me, I'm hungry. And I would say, let's eat together. Let's take my sandwich that I've packed for lunch and let's share it together. When I was going for coffee with my friends, I'm on my way to see a friend. You want to come? And day after day after day after day, I just included them in everything that I did. And for a child who has only ever been a problem, a thief, a rat, a drug addict, To be included as a normal human being was healing to their little souls. For the first time, they had an identity that was not just someone to be pitied. I had a second conviction that completely changed my life and that established the foundation of our organisation. It had been going on like this for about 18 months. And nothing seemed to be getting better. The kids loved me and I loved them. But they were still dying. They were still stabbing. They were still getting stabbed. I was still losing them. And there were times where I just felt so frustrated like this was such an enormous mess and I was responsible for cleaning it up and it was too big for me. And again, I heard from God Don't you dare treat my children like a problem. Don't you think I didn't want them? Don't you think I didn't create them for something? You are not the only one with a purpose. Every child on this street was created for a purpose. It is your job to find it. It is your job to bring it out. Our organisation, Sapao, it means purpose. Because every person that we encounter should walk away from us understanding their purpose. We need to rid ourselves of the lie that something needs to feel significant to be significant. It is the lie that stops us doing the very thing that can transform someone's life. None of this felt significant. None of the sitting on the ground, listening to music, walking with kids, none of it felt significant. Until one day I turned around and there was no kids on the street left. If I had to characterise my journey from this to where we are now, it would be this. Take whatever you do have, whatever God has placed with you, and use it faithfully to serve. That's it. That is all you are called to do. You will never be called to give account for what you do not have but each one of us will account for what we were given and how we used it. You may continue. So we began doing what we did have. We had no money. We were four years in Lesotho without any support whatsoever. It was a matter of manna from heaven. Each month, couldn't pay our rent, couldn't eat, certainly couldn't help anybody, but God showed himself faithful. This was our attempt to run Training with kids on the street. We built that out of a bottle full of uh, cement, <laughs> and we would carry it for kilometers because we didn't have a car. So Josh and I would carry it from our house down to the main park in town, and we would just work out with kids. You may continue. This is our precious ones. That was our tire. We didn't have any equipment, so we use a tire. And yet, day after day after day after day, the kids would come can keep going. This was Bible study. Didn't have a building. But had a Bible. Sit on the street. And we'll teach our little babies the word of God. And we teach them who they are. Can continue. And this is what we began to see. This was where the kids lived in a, I guess you call it a garbage dump. And we began to see this. God is good all the time. The kids had written this. While they lived on a garbage dump. Next, we began to plan for what God had put in our heart while we had nothing. This is us at the beginning. We began to search for the families of every child in town. That meant walking because we didn't have money and we didn't have a vehicle. Myself and this beautiful girl, this is Bhattu, she's our she's our director right now. We searched and found the family of every single child living on the streets. We would walk seven hours a day. We would walk up mountains. I felt like a mountain goat. I'd call myself a mountain goat. And we would find them. We would walk and walk and walk until we found them. And we discovered certain things. We discovered that every single child on the street had a family. So the solution was not to keep them away from their families. Families were broken and families needed healing. We found that 80% of children on the street came from just one village. A violent village. Apparently, the majority of people in prison also originated in this village. So we moved into the village. We are called to do the impossible things. We are called to the darkness. We discovered that every child that we were trying to help and love just could not fit in a regular school. While we succeeded in getting kids back in their families through offering so much family support, they would inevitably get expelled from school. And when they got expelled from school, they'd run away from home, you'd find them back in the street. And so we realised, unless we can find or create a school that can love and support these children, we will never get them off the streets. But how do you start a school when you have no money? You can continue. You do it in your backyard with a $1 stool. That's what we had. That's what we did. We started a school in our backyard for children off the streets on one condition. We know you have family. We expect you to sleep there every night. This is not a school for street children. This is a school for young men who have a purpose. What we were not expecting was the momentum that that would create. Because we started with six kids in our backyard. And every week, we'd get kids arriving at school off the street saying, I want to come to school too. Can you help me find my uncle who lives in this village? to see if I can live with him so I can meet criteria to come to your school. And all the children who had been pretending they had no family suddenly had an incentive to give us information and to help us find a family for them. We still had no money. So I have to say those years were probably some of the most exhausting. Um, Josh and I and Mabatu, it was the three of us for year after year. So we were the cook the teacher, the cleaner, the social worker. We were the ones who went to the street when the kid didn't show up to try and find him. We were the one going to town at night to make sure that they slept at home. We were the one confiscating the knives. We were the one breaking up the fights. It was an exhausting expenditure of our time and emotional investment, and it felt like it was worthless. It felt like the problem was still too big and it wasn't working. But for those six, we saw this there's something in this. Those six children Began sleeping at home, and we realized we're onto something. We're onto something that can work. And we continued like this. Okay, yep, our kids would come to school with their <laughs> slingshots. I mean, we would do our classes outside on the grass. Yep, one more, until we were gifted a tent. And that tent felt like royalty to us. We built that floor ourselves. And we created, you can show the next one, a beautiful classroom for our kids. It was still in our backyard, but it felt like such a gift from God. The next one. These are our babies. If you see a child in our school who's wearing a uniform, it's because they've spent six months at home. continue we went to the government after about four years and we said have you noticed something on the street and they said we have there aren't kids on the street anymore and we said there's a problem in this village of yours you need to give us land to move there we are going to go back to the route and we're going to start there now our government is not particularly active um Needless to say, there are people who have bought land in Lesotho who haven't received the deed to their land 10 years later. So who do we think we were telling government they need to donate land to us in the middle of? We we knew it. Us and the kids got together and we prayed. And we said, they're going to give it to us. We're not paying for it. We got 6,000 square metres of prime land in the centre of a village for free. Can continue. This is us today. This is the inside of our beautiful classrooms. Can continue. This is a pump track that was just built for us for no money. And this is our community and library centre that we just completed. All of it was faith. We have never had more than $10 in our pocket. Somehow, consistent acts of obedience open doors. Somehow. Somehow, those meaningless and small things that we are doing consistently transform the world around us. Somehow. I can't explain it to you except to say that we are the sowers and God is the one who grows things. We are only responsible for that part he has assigned us, only. What he does with it is up to him. But he can do great things with your little acts of obedience. I was so so excited to hear Pastor Wayne talk last night about planting seeds because I had already written this. So for me, it tells me God is speaking to you about this, this planting. This is his message. If you know that God has gifted you in some area, cultivate your gift consistently. If you are an encourager, encourage consistently. Do it daily. Do not become discouraged when you don't see fruit today. In Romans 12 verse 8, we are encouraged to faithfully deploy our gifts in the service of others. The gist of it is if your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it's to give, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take it seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Your gift is your seed, your gift is what you'll give account for. If it feels small to you, do it anyway, do it consistently. Get up tomorrow and do it again. Get up the next day and do it again. One day you will turn around and you will see a harvest that felt insignificant as you sowed. May I encourage you on one more thing? It's a lesson I learnt um, looking back on that eight years I've been there now. When we are loving and giving and investing in people, May we remember that human eyes often cannot discern the heart of God. When I began, I liked to think I knew which child God was going to touch and use. I liked to think so. But I can tell you looking back that I was far more often wrong than I was right. Often I would look for the most articulate child or the most respectful child. And I would think that's the one who's got potential. That's the one God will use. That's the one who'll seize this opportunity and go on to great things. Often it wasn't. Often it was that one who was violent and rude. The child who was violent was the one who had never experienced even a minute of love. The one who was silent was caged by years of being insulted and demeaned and ridiculed. The one with seemingly no potential had often lived, lived in isolation. They had never had an adult to pour into them. One drop of love to someone who has never experienced it transforms them far more than the drop of love to the one who has been loved. So now I have stopped trying to predetermine who God wants to use. And I started to sow love everywhere, consistently, wide and far, to the rude children, to the aggressive children, to the ones who don't show up. And I have watched children bloom from the most unexpected places. That most violent one you saw in the video, his life goal, he would tell you, is, I want to kill people and go to jail so that everyone in my village will be afraid of me. That was his goal. He's now on our staff. There was one child who I mistook for being seriously mentally deranged. I thought, how do I teach this child? He's not even in his right mind. He was our prefect. What I realized is that people who are deprived of love die inside. many of these people that we write off as having no potential are just dead inside from being so restricted and cut off from the love that nourishes a soul. We are called to love them indiscriminately. Pour out your love and sow your seeds indiscriminately. You do not know who God intends to use. You do not know who God intends to raise up. It is not our job to judge. It is our job to love. So now, yes, you've seen that the street is is amazing in Lesotho. And our job is not done because there are more people that have been written off. And right now, our team is out there trying to find them. We go to the forests and we find the young girls who have run away and who are living there. We go to the abandoned houses where little girls are sleeping and men are coming through to sleep with them. We walk through the village and we ask, where are the kids that this village has excluded. Where are the people that are on drugs? We find them and we go after their heart. As the church, it is not our job to run away from the heart people. We are the carriers of their answer. Love them. Love them consistently. Love them indiscriminately. That is the seed that will blossom into a harvest.